Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I was intimidated, which I think most women are when it comes to this radical idea that our voices matter and deserve to be heard. Roxanne Gay is a cultural critic, editor, author, and the self-proclaimed wife of Channing Tatum. And I'm Shamita Basu, and this is Work It, the podcast, a compilation of the best moments from the live event. Roxanne gave the keynote address at the first ever Work It a long, long time ago, back in 2015. And here's one thing that really stuck with me. She says the hardest thing isn't really about building an audience, but learning to believe that what she has to say actually matters to other people. Hello, New York. I don't have a podcast. I really want one. Every once in a while I'm on Twitter and I just say I'd like a podcast. Um, Anyway, it's a pleasure to be here talking to all of you, even though I don't have a podcast. But I also love that the seats have names on them so you can shame all the people who are late. That's so awkward. I'm just to be like, damn it, it's early. Um, So I just thought I would, I don't know, talk to you a little bit about my journey. That's what they told me and I was like, I don't know. I'm a kid from Nebraska, but I wrote a book, and then that book did all right, I guess. Got me some shoes. Uh, (laughs) So I will admit, and I am not proud of this, that I almost gave up, not on writing, but on the idea that I would find an audience that might take an interest in my books, my writing, my voice. I'm a writer and a cultural critic with a whole lot of opinions. I'm a Libra, so I'm always considering more than one way of thinking about a given issue. I'm in academia, but I love pop culture. As an aside, have you guys seen Unreal? Jesus Christ. (laughs) You're listening to too much radio. It's on Lifetime, and it's a show that's like a behind-the-scenes bachelor, and it sort of shows like how reality TV is made. I write? Anyway, Sherry Appleby's in it, and she's really good. Check it out. Unreal. Lifetime. Anyway, I just had to plug it. I, I'm not even involved with the show. Uh, but I always wondered who the hell would be interested in this hodgepodge of things I'm interested in. Also, The Rock, which he's doing really well, and he has a TV show coming out. See, this is why I want a podcast. So I can just talk about it, but he's so meaty. Like, he's just like beef right now, and it's just, oh, I like my beef rare, Um, which is to say naked. And his thighs, and his, he's like his neck head. I call it a neck head because there's no distinguishing feature between the two of them. Also, like my husband Channing, um, I kept my name, but they're both doing so well right now, and I just have fantasies about the two of them in me. Anyway, (laughs) when I doubted myself, my best friend talked me off the ledge time and again, sometimes gently, sometimes fiercely. She believed in my voice when I nearly lost my faith. She had a gut feeling that eventually my books would find the right home. These days, she's unbearable uh, because she enjoys saying I was right all along. Sometimes she'll just send me a text. I was right. (laughs) She's really smug about it, and I have to allow her this because, well, yes, she was right all along. I will also admit I was intimidated, which I think most women are when it comes to this radical idea that our voices matter and deserve to be heard. I had no idea what to expect when it came to working with bigger publishers, though I heard the horror stories, so I suppose I expected very little. 
no money for publicity, editors who don't edit, good books languishing without publisher support that they so very much need and deserve. I'm also a writer of color, and I was told that my prospects as one were especially grim because publishers just don't know how to market us, and readers don't want to hear our stories. I still play devil's advocate with myself. There are so many books and talented writers out there. Nothing humbles you and clarifies your place in the world like refreshing your Amazon sales rank. (laughs) This is admittedly a sad, sad thing to do, but I'm not averse to suffering. Some days there are literally 300,000 or 10,000 books selling better than mine. I stare at these numbers and I whisper, I am not a special snowflake. There is also the reality of this world that we live in. It is filled with people who love books, but there is always a bottom line. You are only as good as your last book. You vault over one hurdle and ten more appear. Are the reviews going to be good? Are there going to be reviews at all? Am I going to sell enough copies in the right places to the right people? Am I going to make the publisher's investment worthwhile? Anything could go wrong. I am constantly reminding myself that this past 18 months could become a painfully glimmering memory of how good my career once was. And it's not only about me. I don't want to walk through the halls of one of the largest book publishers in the world and see no people of color in editorial positions. I don't want to look at the bestseller lists week after week devoid of the excellent books being written by writers of color. I don't want publishing to perpetuate this atmosphere where writers of color and women writers worry that even if they get a shot, that shot won't be enough. In five years, I don't want to have the same damn conversations that we continue to have about diversity in the media. I will somehow make sure more people of color and more women get the chance to be as lucky as I've been. I'm going to keep writing, and more importantly, I'm going to keep using my voice. I'm going to keep fighting. I've had a taste now of what being heard should be like for more of us, and so I'm reluctant to stop. I've also learned this. Giving up does not accomplish anything. Working harder, being relentless, putting my work back out there does accomplish something. People often ask me for advice, and I tell them, you have to be persistent, you have to be relentless, you have to be resilient while also accepting that you are human and susceptible to weakness. You have to trust and have faith in what you have to say. That voice that you hear telling you that your voice is unnecessary and unworthy is fueled by fear because it is fucking scary to put your work out into the world and then, even worse, have people respond. (laughs) Allow yourself to feel that fear and then dig deep into your stronger self and keep trying and keep reaching for what you want. You have to be ambitious. You cannot hide from your ambition. Don't keep it secret. Own that shit. And be responsible for how you use your voice. You will never, as a woman, only answer to yourself. These days, I'm thinking more and more about how I can best live up to the responsibility of using my voice. In truth, I did not expect Bad Feminist to be the book that changed everything. I'm relatively new to writing nonfiction. I've only been doing it seriously for about five years. This was my first essay collection, and somehow it found its way into the world. It's the kind of thing I didn't dare hope for. So many people, mostly women, but not an insignificant number of men, have written me beautiful letters thanking me. They have thanked me for my writing, for this book, for helping them find their voice, for helping them feel a little less alone. They have told me their stories. They have trusted me. 
These are the things that break me down in the best possible ways. They make me feel like I am, in, I am indeed on the right path. I am humbled. I keep thinking I am not worthy, but I'm trying to believe I'm worthy nonetheless. At a reading during the Q&A, an older woman recounted the story of how she once couldn't get a credit card because she didn't have a husband. I think the year was 1969. I listened to her story and I kept thinking, may I be worthy of the work this woman has done to make my life possible. I recognize that any woman who reads, who writes, who votes, who has a banking account or credit card, who owns a home in her own name, who owns a car in her own name, who signs any business document in her own name, and the list goes on, whether she is a feminist or not, is standing on the shoulders of a great many feminists. When I use my voice, I am standing on those same shoulders. At another reading, I met a 17-year-old girl named Taylor, T-E-I-G-H. She was sure to tell me. (laughs) When I get it, one N, whose mom brought her to the reading. She sat near the front, and her eyes were shining the whole time. I threw her a bad feminist tote bag, and she held it tightly in her hands. She was the first in the signing line, and she told me how she looked up to me. It was wholly adorable. My eyes burned at the corners because I was so moved. I kept thinking, may I be worthy of your admiration? At another reading, I met a young man named Robert who also brought his mother. She began speaking to me in Creole, so I responded. They were Haitian, and they were just so excited to meet another Haitian from the Midwest. The bookstore had sold out of my book, but they wanted to meet me anyway. They apologized as if they owed me anything at all. Their presence at my reading was all I could ever ask for. I gave them a copy of my book and signed it, and they asked if they could take a picture with me, and I kept thinking, may I be worthy of your respect, and may I be worthy of our people's history. It has been humbling to realize that when I use my voice, I am not just speaking for me. I am speaking for a great many people. There is an awesome power in that and one hell of a responsibility, and I try not to take it for granted. As podcasters or rising podcasters, you're all looking for the best ways to use your voice. You're looking for the strength and and the courage that it requires to use that voice. You may not feel it yet, but you are going to find your way. As you do, there is one truth that you should not let go of. No one can narrate or examine this world that we live in the way that you can. And that is the power of your voice. If you bring the full force of yourself to what you have to say, your voice is going to be powerful beyond measure and how. And I look forward to hearing it. Thank you. That was Roxanne Gay speaking at the 2015 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, with additional support from the Harnish Foundation.